Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. All right, how are we all doing, everybody? Good to see you, Liquid. Hello. Good to see you guys. Hey, you should get one of these. Right now, our ushers are handing out an envelope. Make sure every one of you gets one of these. All our campuses, what up, Nutley, New Brunswick. Make sure you have an open uh, envelope, and I'm going to ask you to open it. Go ahead and open it right now, and you'll pour out in your hands our gift to you. Behold, melt your mouth, not in your hands, M&Ms for all of you. We want to sugar you up today, get you going. Now, don't eat them. Don't eat them just yet. Too late for some of you. It's like zero self-control. I love it. This is the final week of our series, Broke, which is really all about learning to trust God in times of crisis. I see it. Don't eat it yet, man. This is incredible. Some of you are just like, ah, you're eating it right away. No self-control. Really, um, what this series is about is about uh, trusting God in time of crisis, especially with our finances and really uh, realign our lives according to his principles of biblical money management. And today, I'm going to share with you a message that candidly has had a profound impact every time I have taught it. Uh, For some of you, this may be a repeat. For others, it will refresh your memory about God's desire for you to actually test him in a revolutionary way this fall. But most significantly, for those of you who are brand new to our church, I believe this has the potential, this single concept to revolutionize your life. I, I really do, because entering this fall, our leadership got together and decided it's important that we are all on the same page when it comes to this issue of M&Ms or managing money. Because I believe this is the core message that we have to be unified on as a church uh, when it comes to our stewardship. So don't eat your M&Ms yet, okay? I want to set the stage for you with a verse from Proverbs. This was written by King Solomon. King Solomon is basically the Warren Buffett of the ancient world. And in Proverbs 27, Solomon gave this sage advice. He said, be sure you know the condition of your what? Of your flocks. And in that time, people were actually shepherds. Now, your flocks basically represented your livelihood, your income. In our modern day context, this might be, be sure you know the condition of your stocks, okay? Your income, how much you have, how much comes in, how much goes out. Right now, here's a question for you. Would you be able to tell me within about a hundred dollars how much you owe? Give or take about 100 bucks. How, what rate you're saving at? Give or take $100. Think of your financial pie for a moment. How does your pie get divided up? Do you know where your money goes to each week, actually? What, what, what do you have left over once you pay for food, shelter, clothes, the essentials? Do you know the condition of your, your flocks, your checkbook, your stocks? In your hand, you have 10 M&Ms. I want you to pour these into your hand. And think of these as your income, okay? So here I'm going to pour them into this glass. This is me. This is my income. One, two, three, four, five, six, I need a few more. Ten. I got ten now in my glass. Okay. So hold those in your hand. If this were you, how would this be consumed, okay? The reality is if you start with housing, most of you have a a place hopefully to live. Um, That requires a certain percentage of your income. Think about your rent, your mortgage, your maintenance fees. Boo. How many M&M's? go towards where you live. You want to take a guess? If you're a typical American, about 40% of the average adult's income goes to housing. So take four right now, pop them in your mouth. Just go eat eat them right now. You enjoy them. Just go and and, and enjoy those. If these 10 M&Ms were your income, four of them would be eaten up by housing costs. Now, 
Maybe, maybe you live at home. You don't spend anything. If that's you, just spit them out into your neighbor's hand. Go ahead, right now. Just spit those M&Ms out. Just cough them up. How about food? What percent of food would you say goes from your income? Daily, daily food. Think about it. How many of you eat out at least once a week? All right, you start the day with a, with a you know, pumpkin spice latte, whatever. Even if you make your meals at home, food costs about 20% of our weekly income. So take two M&Ms. Oh, melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Stay simple. Shelter, food. How about clothing? I appreciate it. Thank you. Everyone is wearing pants today. Awesome. Well done. We spend it. We're a casual church, not that casual. You spend a certain percentage of your income on clothes. And how much would that be for you? Ladies, that includes shoes. Okay, I appreciate that. Tom, I see Tom's like, I'll buy half an (laughs) M&M. Jan's like three uh, for you. Candidly, it's about about 10%. So take one more M&M and pop that one in your mouth. And at this point, you should have about three M&Ms left, okay? And those three remaining ones are going to go to different things for different people, okay? Think transportation. Maybe you have a car. How many of you have a car fleece? Anybody have a car? I mean, a lease, sorry. Uh, You have one. You're paying for gas to fill your tank, your train, your bus pass. Take one more, about 10%, only two left. And these remaining two, I'm going to take the blue one and the yellow one. You're going to go to different things for different people. Maybe you're, I'll take the blue one. Maybe you're a Giants fan. <laughs> and you're like, I love football. I'm going to the game. Go big blue. Bye-bye green. One more, go 10% your hobbies. Maybe you're traveling, you're going on a ski trip. Maybe your kids are going to Disneyland. Whatever it is, we call it disposable income for one reason. We, we, whatever's in our hand, we just gobble it up. And then... We actually have to pay off some debts that some of us are carrying. How many of you have a credit card? School loans. Okay, some of you, I would talk to some before. They were like, I have $30,000 in school loans. Make a minimum monthly payment, and that's another 10%. So just pop that last one. Oh, it's so close in your mouth. I chipped my tooth. I'm going to let it go. And the reality is, guys, man, it goes fast. It comes in, and it goes out. In fact, right now, would you make sure you have one M&M left? Does Does everybody have one M&M left? Some of you didn't eat all of them. Okay, if you don't, who doesn't have one? Raise your hand. You don't have one. Here you go. Just get a few more extra in there. Who doesn't have one? Come on, wake up, people. Wake up. More M&Ms for you. Come on, here we go. Okay, now I'm free money. Look at this. Here we go. You take it. Now, here's the deal. Keep that one M&M. Do not eat it. Do not play with it. It's going to melt in your, in your fingers. The truth is, I want you to hold this for the rest of the message. If you're an average American, we tend to consume the majority of what comes in. That's why so many of us are kind of stretched financially and always feeling like we we have the stress because our outgoing expenses outpace our incoming surplus and money is tight. Or we carry debt and we try to save, but it's very hard to make any headway because we know the rate at which we're consuming is not sustainable. But often, if you're like me, I felt for a long time powerless to do anything about it because half the time, I don't even know where all of this goes. And when things get tight, we assume it's mainly a matter of money. You know what the problem is, Tim? I don't have enough M&Ms. You only gave me 10. I need about 40 to sustain the lifestyle I'm going at. But the truth is, money is not about the amount we have, but our attitude towards it from God's perspective. Our nation's economic crisis right now is revealing because it's revealing a lot of people's attitude towards what you have. Does your life blur the line between needs and wants? Food, a basic need? mocha spice latte, maybe not so much. See, generosity isn't about needing more money to spend. It's about needing less money to actually consume, okay? It's actually breaking our worldly appetite we all have for kind of bigger, better, faster, more and replacing it with this new paradigm. And that's easier said than done. And so I want to challenge you right now. I've got a blue one. With your remaining M&M, don't eat that for the remainder of our time together. 
You're going to see how hard this is. You just want to pop that red sucker right in your mouth. But keep that one M&M, and if you don't have one left, just steal one from a neighbor, okay? That's how the subprime mortgage thing works anyway. So just take one from the neighbor. Hold that one M&M. Now let me ask, if I asked you, okay, here's my blue M&M, whose is this? Now you just threw some out in the crowd. Who's, whose M&M is that? You picked it up. What do you, what do you think? Is, it, is that yours or is it mine? Oh, yeah. So I was like, it's God's. I, and you're, some of you are like, oh, I knew it. Trick question. In church, the answer is always Jesus. I should have said it. No, 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 no. Think that, that, that. This cuts much deeper than that. See, the most important thing when it comes to money is our mindset. Scripture goes to great lengths to communicate this very countercultural perspective to what we're taught in the modern West. That everything we have from our income, from our food, from our transportation, our housing, everything we have, the pocket cash, all of it, is not owned by us, but by God. It's not ours. It's on loan to us from God himself. Consider this ancient scripture. It says, the earth is the Lord's and what? Everything in it. The world and all who live in it. That is a fairly comprehensive verse. Everything. Job actually records, everything under heaven belongs to me, God says. So the Bible goes to great lengths to present this very strong rebuke to our Western notions of ownership, of possession. Because the reality is the Bible's like, when it comes to the M&Ms, God owns the candy store. So your daily bread, your spending cash, your stuff, he even lays claim to your life. Scripture says you're not your own. You were bought at a price. God owns everything in your life, even you. Now that's a paradigm shift for anybody who has grown up where we live in the last 20 years. Because if you really take the truth of this, everything I have is God's. I don't possess, I don't own anything. All of it is on loan to me. You suddenly look at things very different. That paycheck you received on Friday, God says, yeah, that's mine. That investment you lost in the stock market, ah, why are you so worried? God's like, that's my loss too. Do you seriously think right now God is like crying over the markets? Oh, I wonder what Wall Street's gonna do. What's Apple gonna do without Steve Jobs? Ah, God says, all of it is mine. And catch this, I entrust a portion of it to you. I want you to be my M&M, my money manager. That's the one big idea of this entire series, that God trusts you. So when you receive an income in a very real way, God's trusting you with his money. You are his M&M. You are his money manager. This is the ancient concept known as stewardship. See, in the ancient world, basically what happened, first century, kings of nations, they would go off to war for months, even years at a time. And while they were away, they would appoint a steward. That was simply a name for like a servant to be in charge of their kingdom, their palace. The steward was not the king, but the steward was responsible for managing the king's resources until he returned. His money, his land, his people, his army. And when the king returned, the steward would return all of the entire kingdom back to his master. What's the point? God, not money, is your master. And he has entrusted you with some of his money and asked you, I, will you be my steward? I'm going to be away for a bit, but while you're on earth, will you be my representative and use my money to expand my kingdom? So in effect, God says to each of us, here's $1,000 or $10,000 or $100,000. And he says, I want you to use this. Use some of it. Go ahead. 
You eat, may, meet your basic needs. But understand, the rest of it comes with a responsibility. I'm asking you to manage my money, watch the candy store while I'm away. In other words, the moment God trusts any of us with money, he's saying, I want you to be my M&M, my money manager. And this is where the disconnect happens for most of us. Because as Americans, we don't get stewardship at all. We trust the markets. We believe in banks, and that's fine. But somewhere along the way, we all bought into this lie that material blessing that God brings into our life is intended for our immediate consumption. Woo, I got a bonus. Ah, it's all for me. Tell me you don't think that. Tomorrow, if you went into work, can you imagine this? If you went into work tomorrow and your boss calls you in the office and say, I'm sorry, I don't understand it. You're like, I'm getting fired. You're like, no, the opposite. Business is down. You know there's a freeze on firing. The economy is kind of tanked. But for some reason, we're giving you a bonus. <laughs> tell me, if you were given an unexpected raise tomorrow, in the middle of this economy, tell me you wouldn't be like, sweet, Aruba, here we come. I'm getting that couch from Pottery Barn. I am upgrading my ride. You already got that, that you got it spent. That's our default thinking as consumers. But scripture says consumer is not your main identity. You are a steward first, an M&M, the manager of God's money. And when he pours more into your life, it's the height of selfishness to say, oh, thanks, God, these are clearly all for me. Ah. <laughs> and I get this because some of you are saying right now, I, get I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, hold, hold on a minute. That's a little radical, Tim. I mean, it's, I get it. You got to acknowledge God and all. But at the end of the day, I have what I have because I worked hard for it. I worked my butt off. I got the promotion. I worked overtime, okay? I have what I have because I earned it, really. In Deuteronomy 8, God warned his people. He said, you may say to yourself, my power in the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But what? Read it together out loud, church. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. In other words, you may think what you have is a result of your effort, but who gave you those gifts in the first place? You graduated college. Who gave you the intellect to actually get in there? Yeah, you've made some money in the market, but who's actually given you those creative talents? If you are fortunate enough to have a job and receive an income, is that something you maintain? You sustain it by by your word or your mouth? No. See, we forget this fundamental truth until crisis wakes us up to this reality that everything we have Everything we have worked so hard for is actually, all of it is a gift from our master. God is a giver, and we're just his M&Ms. We're his money managers, his stewards, his servants. We tend to forget that in a consumer economy like ours, which is why God instituted an ancient practice to control our appetite, to train our heart. In Proverbs 3, verse 9, King Solomon gives this basic instruction. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the what? First fruits of all your crops. And again, I get it. We're not all farmers, okay? Actually, none of us farmers probably. But when the Bible talks about flocks or crops and honoring God with the first cut, it was giving very practical advice. It was simply saying to his people, I want you to give back the first fruits. And that was simply the first tenth of whatever their income was whether that was cattle or you know, sheep or grain or whatever. He said, I want you to give back 10% to God, the first fruits, before anybody else, even that one, gets a cut. 
we give back to God. Because God says, these are a gift from me to you, and I happily entrust them to you, but I know a secret about you. You have a sweet tooth. And if you serve yourself first, I bet you can't eat just one. You're going to take them all for yourself. But that's not the path to life. That's not the kind of God I am. I'm, 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 a, I'm a giver God. I'm not a taker. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Giving's the path to life. I give you your daily bread. I gave my only son for your eternal life. And now as my child, my son or daughter, I want you to be a giver too. Not like me, not like a consumer, but a giver. And here's how I'm going to train you not to eat every single one and make yourself sick. Before you take care of your needs and your wants, I want you to give back to me the first fruits, the first 10%. Return it to me of what I have blessed you with as a way of controlling your appetite when it comes to M&Ms, my money. Because if you feed yourself first, I bet you can't eat just one. So they began honoring God with their first fruits. And he said, okay, Israel, I know I can trust you now as my stewards. So the Israelites began a tithe. That's literally where the word tithe comes from. Tithe simply means a tenth or 10%. And God's people began bringing 10% to their church. That was called the temple at that time as a way of putting God first in their finances. And do you see what God's doing? This is brilliant. God was doing something very clever to train his people how to handle his money. Notice he didn't tell them to live above their means. He didn't tell them actually to live within their means. He was training them to live boop, below their means at 90%. He was mandating margin. He's training them. They were not to exceed their financial uh, uh, limits, but actually control their intake, limit it. He's like, I want you to learn, from the outset of creation, I want you to learn to live with less. You know why? Because money is a wonderful servant, but it makes a brutal master. Brutal. We can't serve both God and money. So God forces us to choose. And when we consume all that we own, guess what? Our stuff has a way of consuming us. So that's what God's people did. They brought the first 10% of their income back to the church and gave it to God. That's what the tithe is about. It's about training your heart through your checkbook. And that ancient practice, candidly, has carried over thousands of years to today. The modern equivalent, candidly, would be bringing your tithe, your 10% to your local church. The idea is you give it to the place where you are fed spiritually. That could be here, it could be another church, could be wherever you're fed spiritually, kind of the storehouse. That's the big idea, is that you bring it back there. That's why we receive tithes and offerings at, during our worship service. It's, uh, during our worship, you know why? It's not about paying the electric bills. It's part of giving to God. We're training our heart to put him first in everything and acknowledge everything I have. I depend on him. That's what worship is. It's about dependency. And so when we tithe, it's a way of symbolically saying, God, I'm stating today at the beginning of the week, first fruits, first day of the week, Sunday, you own everything. Everything I have is a gift. And I'm your M&M, your money manager. So practically speaking, if you earn, let's say, you know, $50,000 you know, $50, a year, giving $5,000 back to God annually, it's not a stretch at all. Before Uncle Sam takes his bite, I, you say, I'm giving my first fruits back to God. And it just extends proportionally. So if God's given you the ability to earn $100,000 well, then you take 10%, $10,000, you give it back to God, and so on. You give to the place you're spiritually fed. The temple for the ancients, the church for the modern stewards like us. And now catch this. Where the word tithe stresses the amount, 
the giving of first fruits is all about the attitude. When it comes to our finances, do we grudgingly give back to God? It's like, oh, crumb, money in church. All right. I like the music today. <laughs> or do you actually say, yeah, for 10%, that's nothing. You're letting me keep 90, God? Woohoo! That's why I love talking to new believers about tithing because they're like, he lets me keep 90%. They look at it so different. The point of Proverbs is this. When it comes to our finances, God wants your first fruits, not your leftovers. See, when you prioritize the tithe, it has a way of inviting God's blessing into your life. He isn't an afterthought. You actually invite him into my checkbook. I know for Americans, money's like a private issue. We don't talk about money, politics, or sex. At Liquid, we talk about all three. Because the reality is, you say, you know what? This is not a private thing. This is a public matter. And you know what? I've, I've got to invite him into that. That's what I loved about our opening video, by the way. Did you see that? It shows this guy slicing the pie, and he cuts generous portions for everybody else in his life. All of his expenses. His home, his credit cards, the whipped cream, his education, a few little sprinkles. But when he gets to the end of the pie... And realizes, oh yeah, what about God? He's got nothing left. I love it. Because the one guy leans in and goes, dude, he brought the pie. <laughs> and he realizes, son of a gun. I ate it all and gave it to everything else. That's why we give God the first fruits, not the leftovers. You understand? In your life, there will be plenty of things lining up for their slice of your pie. It is just a question of whether you're going to serve yourself or God first. Scripture teaches we tithe to God with first fruits, not because he needs your money, but because he wants your heart. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I don't know how you're hearing this, but my guess, candidly, is that some of you are rolling your eyes at this moment. You're not doing it. You're being very polite. I appreciate that. But you're rolling your eyes on the inside because you're like, well, isn't this convenient? Okay. I get it. The pastor encourages everybody to tithe. That's how they, you know, play, pay for this place and all these flat screen TVs and all that stuff. How convenient. Candidly, that's what a lot of folks think, that a, a tithe is like a religious tax. Oh, okay, I got to pay God, okay? For most of my adult life, that's how I acted. When I got my first job, I was teaching high school English, and I remember that, um, just for the sake of math, let's say it was $52,000 as a high school English teacher in New Jersey. Whatever. Uh, but if it was... I assumed that with 52 weeks, it's very easy. I was like, I'm going to get a check for 1000 bucks a week. That's just what I assumed. Hilarious, right? Naivete. And I got my first paycheck, and it's like 309 <laughs> And I'm like, wait, wait, where did it all go? And I start reading the little numbers. And I'm like, who is FICA? Who is this? What, I, what the? And it's all gone. And then I go to church. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, and there goes the rest of it. I got to pay God too, okay? So what I started doing when I went to church is I started tipping I got savvy about this. For instance, I realized if I tithe on my net income, in other words, after I pay Uncle Sam, not my gross, I'm going to save money. I would give based on what I had left after taxes. So Uncle Sam got his slice of the pie, and then God got, you know, a little bit of what, what was left over there. And you know what? It never got easier, ever. As I got older and earned more, guess what happened? I had more responsibilities. First, all of a sudden, my first car payment. Then I got engaged, had to buy a woo, ring for my wife. Then we went on a honeymoon. Oh, then we had to find a place to live in Jersey. Goodbye. And so it's like, it's, it just kept going, man. And because I was stretched so thin, when I went to church, I'd have this like tinge of guilt that like, oh gosh, whatever cash I have on me, I should put in the popcorn bucket. I hope no one's looking. And you know what's funny about that? 
what that reveals about your attitude, my attitude. I mean, think about this. Where do you typically leave a tip? Where do you give a tip? At a restaurant, right? And why do you give a tip? To rate the service. Yes. And I began doing that in church. So if the band rocked, and I liked the song they played, I was like, not bad. Maybe a little lower next week, guys, please. Or if the preacher kept it short, ah, a little bit more. But if the topic was boring and the music sucked, I was like, ah, whatever. I'm keeping my tip. And suddenly, you see, the focus shifts. Where the tithe puts the focus on God, how we can serve him. The tip puts the focus on me as a consumer. What have you done for me lately? This is not what God is after. God is not interested in exacting a religious tax from you. Hear me. He does not need your money. God has no need of a tip. He doesn't serve us. We serve him. And that's why he asked for a tithe. Because at the end of the day, he wants to train our hearts. He longs for us to open up this part of our lives to his blessing because where our M&Ms are, our hearts naturally follow. And so the question becomes, when the economy slows, when finances get tight, can God still trust us to put him first? Remember what we've been talking about. Every dollar in our economy is printed with those words. In God we what? In God we trust. And the tithe is a test of that trust, particularly in a moment of economic hardship. When things get tight in your life, where do you put your trust? The bill says, in God we trust, but we've discovered this radical biblical truth that actually God trusts you. Imagine that. That's an incredible thing. When our finances get tight, our natural impulse is to close our fists, hold on to the few M&Ms we've got. But what if it, our actual impulse was, oh, this is a moment to tell, oh, I need faith, I need, I need God, I need your blessing. And you actually give back more to God as a way of showing you can be trusted with his resources. Now, to bring this home, I want to show you what I think are two of the most challenging words in the entire Bible. The last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, the Italian prophet. <laughs> okay. It's Malachi. It's Malachi, people. Wake up. Hebrew. Okay. Malachi records God's final words to the people of Israel, who by that time had actually drifted far from, from God's heart. I want you to think about the Israel at this moment. By the end of the Old Testament, their nation had imploded. The Israelites were off at war with their enemies, and their economy was in shambles. Does this sound familiar? And Malachi is God's final attempt to reach back out to them one last time to restore their relationship. And Malachi 3 verse 7 says, Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how are we to return? Now watch what he says. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? What's his answer? Read it together. In tithes and offerings. In other words, God is like Israel. I want you as a nation to come back to me so I can bless you. And the first step is to stop ripping me off. Woo! Pretty stinging accusation, isn't it? And they're like, wait, 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 wait. God, what are you talking about? How do, how do we rob you? And he's like, in tithes and offerings. In other words, at your moment of greatest need as a nation, you cut me out of the picture. I mean, if there was ever a time to get your priorities straight financially, now is that time. But because you've left me out, verse 9, he says, you are under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And then God gives his people this command. Let's read this out loud. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. That is 
Bring your first fruits, not your leftovers. Return 10% back to me. And it's very, very simple. If someone had 10 M&Ms, guess how many they were supposed to give? One. If they had 100 M&Ms, how many were they supposed to give? 10. If they had 1,000, 100. 10,000, a million. You get the idea, guys. And this is important. Each person gives in proportion to what God's blessed them with. Again, I don't know how you're hearing this right now. Um, I kind of actually feel bad because if it's your first time here, you're like, I knew it. I knew churches, all they're after is money. Here comes a, this is the guilt trip moment. This is the time, this is the sleight of hand. I have seen this on TV. That guy with with a smile in the big suit, just plant a seed today. (laughs) And you'll get a parking spot tomorrow. Seriously, part of me feels very badly for you first time guests visiting us today, honestly. Because we don't talk about money all the time because of how distorted it's been by the church and how manipulative many of, of my brothers and sisters have been. And I apologize to you for that. On behalf of, 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 of our leaders, of the church at large, I am sorry. But just because something has been abused or distorted by men doesn't mean it fails to be God's truth. And the truth is, you don't tithe to see if God can be trusted. You need to tithe so that God can trust you. This is where the rubber meets the road, guys, for some of you. If you return your first fruits to God, even when the economy tanks, even when your job dries up, even if it means paying God before you pay Citibank, and you put your faith to the test, and this is incredible, what God says, these two words, are revolutionary. One of the cardinal rules of Scripture is, never put the Lord your God to the test. But look what verse 10 says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Translation, bring it on. Folks, I'm giving you permission. Click your pen. You circle those two words in the Bible. Test me. This is the only place it appears in all of Scripture. God says, test my character. At your moment of greatest need, see if I can't be trusted to pour out my blessing into your life when you put me first financially. And this is huge, folks, because tithing was an act of obedience, but it resulted in God's blessing. There's a spiritual principle at work here when we put God's first. Because you know what God says? He says, okay, you're going to put me first? Thank you. Thank you. I know I can trust you now. You know what I promise to do? What's it say? I will throw open the floodgates of blessing. I'm going to pour out a little bit more into your life and open my floodgates. Wow, God has a lot of M&Ms. Yeah, I do. I, in fact, I'm going to pour out so much blessing. Whoa, easy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go crazy, God. Yeah, open the floodgates and pour out blessing. You actually won't have enough room to contain it all. Because that's how I roll. Your economy may be broke. Am I? Uh Uh-uh. Not by a long shot. Testing, tithing is a test. It's a test of your faith and God's faithfulness to you. Do you believe you could test God and take him at his word? Because right now, your wheels are turning and you've got all sorts of reasons. I get it. You may think like, well, 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 duh. I, I don't know if I could afford that, but, 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 but you know, what, what about my debts? God says, yeah, you know what? Actually, I think I can take care of those. Why don't you test me? Sorry, let me put a little bit back in here. 
what, what, but, but Pastor Tim, what about my job situation? You don't think I can actually take care of a job situation? The only problem you may run out of is room to contain everything I am about to pour into your life. You may not have capacity to hold it all. Because you have a plan to get out of debt, but you haven't invited my power behind it. Candidly, I'm just talking to some of you. Some of you, that's why you're not getting out of debt. Because you've got a plan and you're paying everybody off except you're robbing God. God wants to put his power behind your plan and unleash that in your life. This is not about, you know, tit for tat. God is saying, I want you to test me. This is like a fundamentally different way of looking at life, is it not? In other words, God is not sitting here right now wringing his hands over our economy as a nation. He's not like, oh, I hope the markets pick up. I hope Apple comes through without Steve Jobs. Oh, I really hope. He's not saying any of that. There's nothing. This has gone on from the beginning of creation. And he says, you're going to trust your government or you're going to trust your God. And that's what happens when we bring the full tithe with open hands to him. He opens his hands extra wide to us. And he says, you won't contain it. Now, I'm not talking just about material blessing. It may be for the first time in your life having peace and contentment that what I have is enough. Question, what if God's promise here in Malachi 3 were true? What would it be like if you actually took him literally at his word? As we face the greatest financial crisis of our generation, it's like God's giving us a choice. Will you close your hands and keep 100% for yourself and live with a curse? Or will you give 10% and test his blessing? That's literally the decision Malachi challenges us with. That's how the Old Testament ends. And then there are 400 years of silence before a poor carpenter shows up and says, I'm going to show you how this works for real. Guys, this is God's invitation to some of you to test him in the area of your life where you feel the most pain and pressure. Because some of you, I get it, it's crushing. And it's been hard for you to come the past few weeks to the series because you're like, this is such a pain point for me. I see everybody else with so much, but I just don't feel like he's given... Who will you trust? The markets, the government, or God? I told you to save one M&M for the end of the message. Right now, take it out. You've got that one M&M? Right now, all our campuses, you can either go ahead and eat it right now, one, or save it. Put it back in your envelope and take it with you as a challenge for this fall. It has an M on it for Malachi. It's a reminder to you. You are God's money manager. And he's saying to you, test me this fall. So here's the challenge wherever you are financially. Would you be willing to test God as this series ends for the rest of the fall? And actually bring the whole tithe this Sunday all the way through the rest of the year. No matter where you are, actually Take him as word and bring the whole tithe and see. See what God will do. Maybe this was the year you want to start saving. Here's how you do it. You start with giving. Bring the whole tithe. Maybe you want to get out of debt. You've started taking FPU. Good for you. Awesome first step. We're going to help you write a plan to get out of debt. But now you put a power behind that plan. You bring the whole tithe. Why? Not because God needs your money. Not because the church needs your money, but because in tithing, you invite God's blessing. You literally take him at his word and you test 
his character? Can he be counted on to lead you into freedom and peace? Where you not actually only have enough, but you actually have more than you need. And God expands your heart and gives you the capacity to actually help other people who are in need. Could you imagine some of you, some of you right now, the pain that you feel? Is that you see so many people in need and you're like, I just wish I had something to give them. But I can't. I'm strapped. I'm tapped out. Could you actually, you're like, I can't afford to do that. Can you afford not to? Could you afford not to this fall? What might you miss out on? What blessing might God want to bring into your life that actually you're thwarting this at this moment? Now, here's what that means practically. You put your M&M back in your envelope and you read the front. Liquid Church, can we read all three words together of our green envelopes? God trusts you. Of course he does. You're his M&M. You're his money manager. And the idea is for each of us is to use this to bring the first fruits or 10% of what God gives you on a weekly basis. If you struggle with numbers, I will make it very simple. If you make 52000 a year, you divide it by 52 weeks. That's your weekly income, $1,000 a week. You take 10% and you tithe $100 a week. You can give all sorts of ways. Some people give in our popcorn bucket on Sunday. Some people do it through PayPal at liquidchurch.com. They do it online. Or they do automatic debit. Some people are like, I set it and forget it. That's what my wife and I do. It just goes out. We never see it because we don't even want to be tempted. <laughs> but this is one of the keys to growing your faith this fall, guys. You may be surprised at what you discover. Maybe it's not just financial blessing. Maybe it's actually peace in the midst of all this turbulence. Maybe you see people freaking out, and maybe you're one of them. This, this sense of contentment comes over you. And the holidays hit, and you don't feel like you've got to pile on the debt and go crazy. Or maybe this is the start of something even more. See, when we put God first in our finances, sometimes God blesses us materially, but often it's more spiritual in nature. I know because it happened to Colleen and I. I started this series by telling you one of our most shameful, deepest, darkest secrets. That for the first five years of our marriage, we floated $21,000 in debt. It was just stupid debt. We blew it on concert tickets, dinners out, all that kind of stuff. We rotated it card to card. And it was just, and when we said, let's begin tithing on our gross income not our net. Oh, man. I'm not going to pretend. We felt it at first, but catch this. The year we started tithing was the same year we got out of debt, and nothing changed. I can't even do the math for you. I didn't get a raise. She didn't get a bonus. Nobody died. No inheritance. But what changed? Our hearts. Our appetite. Because through tithing, God actually quenches our appetite for more for me. And we actually say, it's not me first. It's God first in everything. God changed my heart. You know what? By God's grace, we not only got out of debt that year, we began giving back to God. And every year since then, this is now almost 10 years, we have increased our giving year on year on year. That was, tw that was 12 years ago. So this is a, a, a tithe challenge to all of us. Our entire church family. Could you trust God enough to bring the whole tithe every Sunday this fall? Just to see what he might do in your life. Could you begin the discipline of returning one? One M&M back to God. Can God trust you with that? What's he put in your hands? You take that M&M with you this week as a reminder of Malachi's challenge that everything you have is his. And he trusts you. He loves you. He trusts you, and, and he, not, he wants you to trust him during this extraordinary moment of testing in our country's history. Amen?
I hope you will. Our entire leadership team is in, and we hope you will join us. Let me do that now. I want to pray for us, all of our campuses. Let's bow our heads together. God, I thank you for your faithfulness, God. Oh, yeah, thank you so much, Father God. You didn't spare anything. You didn't spare your only son, God. Your hands are open wide, and Father, there's a hole in the middle to prove your love. Father, you love us enough, not even sparing your own son for our salvation. And Father, now you call us sons and daughters of living God. God, right now, would you begin breaking the chains, Father, of fear on some of my brothers and sisters? I pray, Lord, that you would release blessing just into their life, Father God. Lord, not as a health and wealth gimmick, but Father, as a way of proving your goodness and that you can be trusted. I pray for breakthrough. I pray that there will be families who a year from now, their legacy that they pass to their children will be changed because they took this step of faith. God, I praise you. I praise you. I thank you for the invitation to humbly test you. Lord, we want to taste and see your goodness this fall. And we ask all the glory would go to your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you are inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.